Hello and welcome to Reformed Podmatics, a weekly podcast hosted by the pastors of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. This podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology both in our context and beyond. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Mark. And I am Pastor Zach. And I almost mispronounced the name of our podcast here. And so, uh, yes, we are back. It's been a little while since we recorded an episode. We recorded two uh, the week before my vacation, and now I've returned from the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and we're ramping up for the ministry year here at Ammond Valley. Oh, yes. It's already been a busy day uh, for mm. for me um, and um, a busy day for for Zach as he's starting to think about all of the ministry things that have to happen yeah and, it's a busy day for our church and our community yeah yeah first day of school at Ripon Christian today and so that's kind of exciting and it has been um, already uh, school time for several people in our community as well through public schools and homeschooling too so Fall is in the air. I know the the phrase is often that spring is in the air, but fall is in the air this week with back to school. <laughs> so um, mm-hmm. maybe with that in mind, a little segue into the topic for the day. Um, we might think of those college years where, where Zach and I spent time in college, mm-hmm. and um, you could see the title of today's episode is Old Testament 201. And perhaps for those of you who didn't attend a four-year university or go to college, that might be kind of a strange phrase. Uh, 201 refers to a second level of um, a course that somebody would take. Um, For example, you would go to college and just about everyone in their first semester is in English 101 um, or Western Civ or History 101, and that's just the basic fundamental level. And I did a sermon series on... Old Testament 101 last year, where we just looked at five or six of the basic stories of the Old Testament that every Christian should be aware of, should know um, what the Lord does um, for uh, in creation, um, how the Lord responds to Adam and Eve's sin, um, and so forth. We'll get into some of what 101 would be. And right now at Almond Valley, we are working on Old Testament 201. I'm going to preach... Um, through a few more messages, and Zach has already begun that series this past Sunday. And so the thought behind this episode is, um, beyond the foundations, what are some stories or components of the Old Testament that a Christian should be increasingly aware of, or um, certainly should have some idea of um, filling in a little bit more of the color of the Old Testament? Um, it is God's Word, and so... Um, it's a good thing for Christians to study it and know it. Yeah, there's. it's all important. Yeah, <laughs> That's important absolutely. to say. Uh, it's not that any of these stories is insignificant, but there are clearly stories in the Scripture, in the narrative of, of the Scripture, that are uh, sort of seen as epoch-defining moments um, or as being really important for understanding the way that the scriptures fit together as a whole. Yeah. And actually in our youth group this semester, we'll be diving into exactly that, sort of a Bible survey of seeing how it all fits together. Um, and so, yeah, we could say that 101 
plot points in the story would be sort of like the skeleton uh, of the Old Testament. If we were going to do a course on Old Testament one-on-one, we would do various things, and we'll get into that. Uh, We would talk on various moments or figures, um, and then 201 is building a little bit more on that. And then 301, you could imagine, would be digging into more of the detail, um, maybe looking at lesser-known characters uh, and so on. Um, maybe some of the debates that people have over particular passages of the mm-hmm. Old Testament um, and how those particular passages influence the rest of our understanding of Scripture. Um, and so hopefully that makes sense why such a series is necessary <laughs> for those who are in our church. But also we think about those who are listening who aren't from our church. Um, what is the benefit of listening to today's podcast? Well, we, we do hope that you walk away with uh, a better grasp on how the Old Testament works and the, uh, the sort of storyline and how it, how it all fits together. It's important to understand the Old Testament, of course, if we're going to have a proper understanding of the New Testament as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it, that this is not just a podcast episode for people of our church. It, it sort of will function a little bit in that way to give a little bit more background to why we're preaching Old Testament 201, but um, also trying to serve the the listener at large, um, somebody who's tuning in in, uh, you know, in California here at another local church or um, all the way to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. And, and so hopefully this is a little Bible, like you said, use that term Bible survey. Uh, we want to get to some basics. And yep. so uh, we were just debating before we hit record what to include in each category. And yeah. of course, these are very debatable issues. Um, some are not all that debatable. Creation, fall, Abraham, Moses. That's all. That, that, pretty much everybody who would ever read the Bible would agree that's Old Testament 101 stuff. Yeah. Um, the Exodus, for example. Um, really, where you get into some debatable territory is distinguishing between some 201 level, a little bit more finer detail. Yep. And then the 301 and even 401, like, um, what is central? And so as we were, as we were um, thinking about this, uh, some of the factors that help that we we had in mind were, first of all, what what does what seems like a central point for the Old Testament author? Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are some things that are hearkened back to often, uh, thinking particularly of Abraham and Moses yeah. throughout the whole Old Testament, uh, much in the same way that the Gospels of the New Testament are, are mm. the, the absolute foundation, and then much of what Paul's ministry is, is pointing people back to the life of Jesus, the work of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, mm. um, and so that formed the foundation. Really, it's the same way with the Torah, with the Pentateuch in the Old Testament. So um, yeah, that's, that's basically not debatable, I would say, um, whether you're <laughs> Jewish or Christian, Pentecostal, Roman Catholic, that's, that's pretty much going to be a, a rock-solid argument. Um, but then getting into those finer details, uh, maybe there will be a little bit of debate, some spirited debate perhaps yeah. in the podcast today. And um, the idea, though, is, is not so much a debate for its own sake, but just to fill out some of the some of some knowledge of what is in that great part of the Bible. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. It's good for people those of you who are listening to also get a little bit of how the sausage is made here on this episode yeah. because what we're going to say is is debatable. 
um, whether something is, you could say, first tier or second tier or third tier in its level of importance. Uh, it's up for debate, but we think <laughs> that what we've done here is uh, we've we've made it simplified and we've tried to give good yeah. reason. So with that in mind, let's, let's start by asking uh, what would fall under Old Testament 101? Uh, what significant things, I will say, because that could be events or persons or stories, uh, what would we say fall under 101, Mark? Well, the Reformed summary of the whole Bible is four steps. So that would be creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. And those are pretty theological words, creation and fall. Most people could understand redemption, of course, the work of Christ, and consummation, the prophecy and looking forward to uh, a heavenly kingdom, a new heaven and a new earth. Um, and so right there, you have two parts that we find in the Old Testament very yep. clearly. And and really, um, redemption, to some extent, is well pointing forward to the work of Christ through yeah. um, the... Uh, uh, the proto Evangelion in, in in Genesis three, where God gives a promise right away to Adam and Eve that He's going to crush the serpent's head through the seed of the woman, and and so you have hints of redemption and you have the sacrificial system, um, but what you find most explicitly, obviously, in the Old Testament are creation. Um, and when I preached on this, I used Job thirty eight as my creation text, um, and. Uh, course, that would include Genesis 1 and 2 as well. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, the fall, the fall into sin of Adam and Eve. And um, following right on the heels, uh, we actually chose to skip over Noah and the Tower of Babel story and to, to get to Abraham. And so creation, fall, God's gracious covenant with Abraham. Um, I'm going to, to bless you, make you a great nation. Those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a covenant of grace, and that yeah. is so central to understanding the Old Testament and the people of God. So um, that's kind of where we went. Where you want to springboard yeah, so off of that? Or? From Abraham, we skip. There's a lot we're skipping oh, here yeah. because we are only giving five major plot points to Old Testament 101. But then the next big step in the story, and perhaps the most pivotal part of the Old Testament, arguably, mm. is Moses and the Exodus. Uh, the giving of the law, so the Mosaic Covenant, um, all these covenants connect back to uh, the the covenant, I would argue, in the garden. Um, mm-hmm. And then you see the... So with Moses, they, they leave Egypt. The people uh, are delivered out of slavery and bondage and are given and taken to the promised land, although not under Moses' leadership. They wander for 40 years in the desert, uh, before Joshua, but that that part, that big episode, if you could call it even mm-hmm. just one episode, um, is is really foundational. And you're right because in the New Testament, the the gospels function in very much the same way that the Exodus story functions, mm-hmm. the story of deliverance that things all then sort of point back to. Um, and so you'll see in the Psalms very often uh, recollections of God's work in the Exodus and delivering his people and that being a way for the Israelites to be encouraged in their difficulties as they face um, 
various world powers and nations around them that threaten them and then do overtake them. So for Moses, uh, the next major plot point would be the rise of the monarchy. So we could think of the the kings, uh, starting with King Saul, David, Solomon, and so on. Then you have the division of Israel and Judah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, the next final plot point, which we've put, we've, we, we had a hard time kind of summarizing how this plot point should be Put together, but we just we just decided to go with prophets. So this this list is creation, Abraham, Moses, monarchy, and the prophets. Um, the prophets, of course, some of them are pre-exile, warning of the exile to come for the wickedness of the of Judah and Israel's sins, and then you have uh, a couple of prophets that write during the exile. And then you have prophets after the exile, um, pointing forward to the coming one who would restore uh, everything, the Messiah. And so this simplified breakdown, we've chosen to simplify it a lot because I I think as somebody who works in youth ministry, for example, Mm -hmm. I would want students, when thinking of the Old Testament, to at least have these five ideas or concepts, uh, pieces of the story uh, fitting together in their mind. Not that they shouldn't know other things, and we'll get to that, but yeah. you you must really have this kind of backbone to understand the whole story. Yeah, and this is not just trivia either. This is important for understanding the nature of God, yeah. and, and particularly the work of Christ. So um, just reviewing again it's you have creation so god creates the world good very good perfect even and um there right after that already in genesis 3 there is sin and just this this profound desire for humanity to live in that way we're supposed to live mm-hmm. and so that's the question of humanity even today is there is sin in the world there's sin you're a sinner i'm a sinner and what are we going to do about that? Yeah. And so you have God stepping in to the story. Of course, he's, he's orchestrating it all, but, but stepping very profoundly and powerfully into the story in various points in very particular ways, particularly through Abraham, who um, uh, trusted God, had put his faith in, in, in God, uh, follow, believed the word of God, and of course... Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises given to Abraham. Mm-hmm. And then you just go down through these major points and see that they are um, harbingers uh, pointing forward to the work of Christ. So Moses, yeah. for example, the lawgiver, the, the, the prophetic priestly leader of Israel, um, of course, pointing to, again, Jesus, who is the true mediator between humanity and God. And then mm-hmm. monarchy, of course, you have this glorious kingdom under David. Well, uh, th- there you have also the promise. The that cracks there, are there. Right. There will be a greater kingdom yeah. um, and uh, an, an even better kingdom than uh, than David's one day. Um, and it will be an everlasting kingdom, says the Old Testament. And, and then the, the prophetic uh, literature, not just explicitly pointing forward to Christ, as in yeah. Isaiah 9, Isaiah 11, Isaiah 53... Um, Isaiah 60, the new creation and the, the nations gathering around the throne of God. Um, but you also have in the prophetic literature 
um, sort of recountings of the law of God and, and mm-hmm. the centrality of that to, to the people's lives. So the Old Testament is, is poo-pooed very often <laughs> by evangelical people. Um, I, you know, I've even heard of some pastors sort of scoff at preaching Old Testament passages, um, but these are really rich stories with amazing theology, and um, the more you study it, the more you know about it, really the, the more you're going to love the Lord and appreciate the work of Christ. So that's kind of the, the basic. Uh, mm-hmm. Now as we think of 201, um, it, it, we could maybe use the analogy again of a college course that uh, you take history, Western civilization, and you got to cover, um, you know, uh, Greek philosophy all the way to the Reformation in one semester. Uh, that's yeah. in 101. You're hitting then, a lot of stuff really yeah, you're, fast. You're gonna, you're gonna like launch over so much at the thirty thousand foot view. Um, now the 201, maybe you spend a little bit more time in the Renaissance uh, mm-hmm. because that's so influential for. Um, uh, coming before the Reformation. And, and that's a little bit of what we're going to be doing now, is filling in some of those gaps, but maybe not every single one digging down. Hmm. So um, uh, what did you preach on this past Sunday? And, <laughs> and d- did it fit in 201, do you think? Yeah, so a little bit of uh, more seeing behind the scenes here. Yeah, We have a sermon series that, that Mark has plotted out uh, that is uh, our, what we're calling Old Testament 201, and so the first one that was plotted was Tower of Babel. Um, we even wondered uh, moments ago before we started recording whether or not maybe Noah's Ark could be included in there. That's a, it's a fairly important story. Yeah. Um, we didn't include it in our 101 backbone that we've given now. Um, but the Tower of Babel really colors in on the fallenness of man. So we have that broader concept of of creation and fall, we we got that mm. plot point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Tower of Babel um, kind of illustrates it that. Illustrates yeah. that. It also one of the things it does is explains the um, diversity of human language and therefore of cultures and sort of different nationalities, different people groups. Um, that's also given in Genesis ten, which is known as the Table of Nations. Uh, but the Tower of Babel is a pretty uh, interesting story happening right at the cusp, right before the beginning of of Genesis's switch into following the line of Abraham. So Genesis 12 to the end of the book really follows Abraham and his descendants. So before that, Genesis 1 through 11 is kind of history of the world before Abraham. Hmm. Um, that's just a little freebie for you. Uh, and it's uh, written in a pretty different way, you yeah. get the sense. Yeah. yeah, so lots of commentaries. This is an interesting point that might be helpful for people to keep in mind. A lot of commentaries on Genesis are written in two volumes, Genesis mm-hmm. 1 through 11 and Genesis 12 through 50. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's for that very reason. But the Tower of Babel comes right before Abraham is called by God in Genesis chapter 12. Um and so that is a huge moment. I won't rehash my whole my whole sermon. If you want to go and listen to it, you can do that. You it's can a good find one. it online. Check it out, people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Tower of Babel, the uh, the spreading out of different uh, groups of humanity, the confusing of languages, um, and then another sort of two hundred one moment. We've already talked about Abraham being in our one hundred one. Um, 
And so we see Genesis 22 uh, with him and his son, Isaac. Mark, what was your thinking yeah. in, in making this a 201 story? Yeah. Well, the next two are, are related where um, at the, the things you've got to know about the Old Testament, okay, God's covenant with Abraham, uh, Genesis 12, um, is, is the basic. And then if you want to mine a little deeper, it's, it's going to be, I think, the story of Abraham and Isaac. So Abraham's call, um, command to go sacrifice Isaac, the Lord at, at the 11th hour uh, says stop, uh, provides a, a ram for him. We're not going to be a religion of child sacrifice. We're, we're, uh, we're going to be a religion that is, has a, a view of a gracious God hmm. and a relational God, a God who, who wants us to, to live and to, to live full lives yeah. in that. A God who provides. Um, right. Yeah, that's Jehovah Jireh from yep. that um, that passage. So uh, it isn't so much that that this story, um, you know, is, is unrelated. It's, of course, very related to the 101 section, but it's just mining a little bit deeper. And then hmm. the next section hmm. as well, I have just the Ten Commandments. So if you're going to know one thing about Moses, I, I do think it would be, the Exodus story itself, mm-hmm. the Passover, uh, so plagues, Passover, crossing the Red Sea. Yeah, that's kind of where freed we focused. from from slavery, right. right? And then following that, to me, it would be the Ten Commandments and probably the the Tabernacle, setting up mm-hmm. the Tabernacle as well. And and so again, um, those are related to um, what somebody would have learned earlier. And of course, it doesn't mean these things aren't important. Certainly, the Ten Commandments are very foundational for the Old Testament, but the Ten Commandments assume, right, it says in Genesis, Exodus 20, verse 1, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of mm-hmm. the land of slavery. And so it places the Ten Commandments themselves under the umbrella of the, the Passover and, yeah. and the, the Exodus. And so it, it highlights and foregrounds God's grace right. even before the giving of the law, yeah. which is really important. And, and I think that is, uh, it's, it's important to distinguish there because... As people think of the most important parts of the Old Testament, they might just go straight Ten Commandments. Um, yeah. But it's really clear in Exodus 19, there's the vision of the Lord on Mount Sinai, mm-hmm. um, where the mountain is shaking, and the people are basically freaking out next to this <laughs> mountain because it is so glorious and awe-inspiring. That's the context in which they receive the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. And I think even as modern Christians, we can jump right to the commands without giving people a view, a high view of God, hmm. of, of like, it, instead of um, promoting Christ, the grace of Christ, the glory of God, um, and, and helping people see he's worthy to be worshipped and obeyed, uh, we can just jump into, here are the things that we're supposed to do and not do, and it's not compelling yeah. if you haven't had a vision of the Lord himself. Hmm. So um, that's kind of where I, I put... Uh, Ten Commandments in the series. I think first you need the vision of the Lord um, if if one is going to be compelled to obey all his commands. So um, so yeah. that's that's kind of where we're at, and you want to maybe complete 201 here with the, the rest <laughs> yeah, of the list? Yeah, I'll do the, the, the run through. through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So from there, if, you, if you've caught our one-on-one plot points, creation and the fall, of course, being one thing, Abraham, Moses, monarchy, prophets. You may be wondering, well, what happens between Moses and the monarchy? Yeah. If you know the, the Old Testament, you know that that's 
a lot of time in between there. And there's a, a long story of going from these sort of patriarchs, the sort of the prophetic leader in Moses, and then you have his uh, the one who comes after him, Joshua, who under it's under Joshua's uh, leadership that uh, the land of Canaan is taken, the promised land is taken by the Israelites. Um, and so then what happens from there? Well, the answer is the judges, the rise of the judges. So these judges were not uh, guys with sitting in, in rooms uh, with a white wig <laughs> yeah. and a mallet. Behind um, a big courtroom off desk. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were different. Uh, they were powerful warrior leaders of sorts um, who uh, kind of ruled and guided Israel through its transitionary stage or transitional stage um, in its history. Um, following these judges, um, we we've added on our list. It's not really a significant part of the story, but it's really if you're going to know two hundred one, uh, you should really know wisdom literature and Psalms. Uh, it's really important to know those things. Um, but finally, the last part of the actual story here, following the judges. Uh, though we've already mentioned monarchy in 101. So after the monarchy, you should know exile and post-exile. So with the prophets, uh, as I said earlier, they come at different points in the monarchy's existence. Um, Various prophets are acting as covenant prosecutors, telling Israel that you are living out of accordance with God's law, and the curses of the law will come upon you. Mm -hmm. Um, if you continue in your disobedient ways. Um, other prophets, like Daniel, for exa- example, come during the exile. Um, the two kingdoms go into exile at two different times, um, about a hundred or a little over a hundred years separated from each other, but they both go into exile with Bab- Babylon mm-hmm. um, or the Assyrians. Um, and so then you have, finally, after they are released, uh, they go back, the people return to the land, begin rebuilding the temple. That's This is what we see in Ezra and Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. And you see prophets, again, pointing forward to Christ. That's not all they do. We often think of the prophets as only those who, who prophesy. And we have some yeah. weird American understanding of that word where prophecy only means something that's going to happen in Predictive, the Predictive, yeah. And that's not the only thing that prophets do. Mm, yeah, and so hopefully that's that's a pretty good summary of what what the Lord does among his people in the Old Testament and um, we won't get into a lot of detail on what 301 <laughs> might be but um, obviously we skip various stories for example you could think of David and yep. um, if I were to suggest somebody knows something about David it would be his anointing it would be his um, his battle with Goliath uh, the story of David David and Bathsheba and some psalms. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot more to David's life. You have the, the, the uprising of Absalom, his son, and the civil war that, yep. that happened in Israel because of the strife in David's house. I would say that's more of a 301 level um, yeah. uh, stuff, even though it's very important, very impactful, uh, consequential for um, Israel's history down the line, um, as is Solomon, as is Jeroboam, Rehoboam, and so mm-hmm. forth. Um, that is digging a little bit further down um, into the, the Davidic story. So hopefully right. that helps people understand, maybe just as an example of the distinguishing 
between like a 201. Okay, you need to know maybe three or four stories about David in order to get the general gist of the storyline. Um, but then there's so much more there, and it's all good. It's all true. We don't want to uh, come off in this episode sounding like there's some parts of the Bible that you don't really need or that you don't right. shouldn't care yeah. about. Um, it's all perfect and God-breathed and useful, um, but uh, I, we could think of something like the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 saying, what I passed on of you was of first importance, um, that Christ Jesus uh, died uh, you know, for our sins, that he was risen after the third day and appeared to um, various people. And yeah. so that's a paraphrase of 1 Corinthians 15. But he prioritizes. But he does say, if you're going to hold on to one thing, if you're going to, to really know one thing, it's going to be the death and resurrection of Jesus. Mm. And so we can say similar things of the Old Testament. If you're going to know the basic plot points, it's creation, fall, Abraham, Moses, uh, you know, the Exodus, and um, the, the various interplays in the monarchy era between kings and prophets. And so, yeah, um, yeah. So, any, any further thoughts? Or Well, I just wanted to say, as always, if you feel like you yeah. can pick apart our, our plot points here, we would love to hear you say, oh, I think this story should fall under 101 or 201. I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, we didn't even really talk about Abraham's descendants. We talked about right. Isaac, uh, yeah. but not about Jacob and Joseph and the other brothers. Um, yeah, which, Joseph gets a lot of chapters, which are the twelve yeah. tribes of Israel, and so that's yep. kind of important to know if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna know Israel's history. Sure. Um, as I think about how we've gone about this uh, with the 101, 201, 301, it's sort of like when you're looking at a map. Um, maybe it's like like Apple Maps is what I use a lot because I have Mac, I have a MacBook and an iPhone. If you search for something like according to a map it may come up and it'll say there's 101 of those hits in this location so you you double click that and it zooms in more and you see that okay there's there's 50 of those over on this side of town and there's mm-hmm. this on this many on this side of town and you keep clicking and you go further and deeper and you can see exactly where everything's at you really get that lay of the land um that's sort of how this works yeah. we're just giving you those the really zoomed out view and we're we're digging down a little bit more, yeah. um, but maybe one thing we can we can end with here now that we've kind of given the rough overview of how the Old Testament uh, narrative works would be to say or to ask what are some of the main reasons we should know the Old Testament? Mm-hmm. We've already touched on this a little bit, uh, but why yeah. is it important to know the Old Testament? This is a huge question. Um, and of course, there's there's obvious answers. We should know our Bibles. Yeah, uh, the Old Testament uh, makes sense of the New Testament, uh, which I've already said. We we could say to that point that the Old Testament is the gospel promised. The New Testament is the gospel realized. Uh, that's one simple way of understanding it. Mm-hmm. But what are some other reasons to know the Old Testament, Mark? What would you say? It helps you see that God does not change. Hmm. I think that's... Um, now, That's a. some people might be surprised, I guess, by that answer because that's a common misconception in popular American culture of the difference between the Old and the New Testaments. You'd, you'd have people like 
Richard Dawkins, I, I think, at one point hmm. said, well, you have this malevolent God of the Old Testament yeah, and, and then the conquest, and then you have this loving God of the New Testament, and that's a heresy as old as Christianity itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so, but I, th- I think that when you actually read it, hmm. when you actually read it, and, and that's maybe one of the most important points I want to make in this whole episode is please don't let our summaries of stories prevent you from reading the actual stories themselves. I think that when that is done, people start to trust teachers, even maybe like us, instead of just reading the Word and finding out what what the Word of God actually says about hmm. the Exodus and God's promises to Abraham. Not as though we've, uh, we have never tried to misrepresent any of these stories, but be careful of listening to summaries of stories instead of just reading them for yourself. And so um, I think that when you read them for yourself, um, listener, (laughs) that uh, you'll find, wow, this God is a long-suffering, patient God. He's slow to anger and rich in steadfast love. And that is the character, of course, of Christ. Hmm. Um, And as he's slow to anger and rich in love towards his disciples, as he is um, so loving and offering his own life up at the cross, uh, you learn about the nature of God through the sacrificial system, through the holiness code, yeah. through um, the the interaction of God and the kings that he ordains um, <laughs> and calls... He is sovereign over. Yeah, he's, he remains sovereign over them and sends prophets lovingly to them to warn them, and these prophets have a serious word for those kings, but it's, it's a word of love, actually, of a call to repentance. And so... Um, I, I do think when when you read that Old Testament, you get that sense of, um, to use a New Testament figure, a John the Baptist is that linkage in a lot of ways from the Old Testament prophet with a, yeah. a, a strong word of love that is a, a word of rebuke, um, and that prepares the way for Christ to come in and yeah. and be the Lamb of God. So, Yeah, that's a really good point. The Old Testament gives us really essential truths about who God is. Yeah. Um, we, it's not to say that the New Testament is lacking in any no, way, yeah. but the Old Testament sort of sets up how we understand who God is. It's, it's, it starts off with his, his creation and how he works and uh, is related to and reveals himself to mankind. It's mm-hmm. the story of our own history as human beings, and more importantly, our own history as the people of God. Um, It reveals God's revelatory nature, self-revelatory nature, how he reveals himself to his creatures. Um, But as you said, as we see in things like his law and the holiness code, books like Leviticus, which Mm -hmm. are really important for this sort of thing, uh, among other things, uh, we see God's holiness, His grandeur, uh, His power. Uh, a lot of the New Test or a lot of the Old Testament is written in a uh, polemical way, hmm. and what I mean by that is that it's often written um, in such a way as to make little of the gods of the surrounding nations and to show them that our God Yahweh is the true God, yeah. um, and that their gods are weak and powerless. Um, and so it shows us his might 
It shows us his power, his glory, his goodness. Uh, and these things, uh, the New Testament builds off of. Oh. It assumes them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the, the doctrine of God changes in any substantial way in the New Testament. Um, we don't see God now acting differently in, yeah. the, in the New Testament. That's what I mean by that. Oh, it makes the incarnation all that more amazing. Yeah, yeah. We would the incarnation would kind of not surprise us maybe if the Old Testament, if we did not have the Old Testament, but the Old Testament also it's made sense of by the incarnation and the coming of Christ. We see this God now in flesh and we see him uh, as one of us hmm. and he reveals himself in that way. That's why Hebrews 1 talks about how he has spoke in in various ways uh, in, in times past, but now he has spoken in our day, mm-hmm. as this enfleshed, incarnate Son of God uh, in Christ. And so, yeah. yeah, the Old Testament is really important for understanding <laughs> all of those kinds of things. Um, it's most of the Bible. The vast majority yeah. of the Bible is the Old Testament. And so, I think it, yeah. it also, and this is sort of similar to what I've said, but it sets us up for having a deeper love and, and yearning for Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that the Advent season of the, of the Christian calendar brings us back to. But if you read the Old Testament, you will see the ache and the pain and the sorrow of sin that is brought on by sin. Yeah, It's a constant uh, roller coaster of moments of God's grace and hope, only then to be found with humans rebelling sinning and falling from him even in in the great characters there's moments of great sin mm-hmm. and so it ends then sort of unexpectedly or i guess you could say unsurprisingly it ends with the prophets looking forward to this one who will come and that is the great hope of israel uh, the consolation of israel and so if we know the old testament we will have a better taste for who christ is and a better desire for him. Mm. The the grandeur of the gospel will be all the more. Um, mm-hmm. And it will make, it will be much more glorious to our hearts when we see Christ as he truly is, uh, as the hope not only of the nations, but of the nation of Israel as well. Yeah, that's a really thought-provoking point because I think that a mistake that a lot of Christians make is is thinking that the Old Testament was uh, was prophecy, um, and then the New Testament is just fulfillment, mm-hmm. and and then the story almost kind of ends in a way um, from the Old Testament with Jesus, but um, and, and so obviously there's fulfillment in Christ of Old Testament prophecy, but what the Christian needs to recapture is some of that yearning, like what mm-hmm. you just said. The, the yearning of the psalmist who laments, um, the yearning of Isaiah who is just um, longing for this kingdom um, of you know the the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Right. And yeah. so, is is that completely fulfilled? No, no, no it's not at all. There's mm-hmm. still uh, sin and misery and corruption and totalitarianism in this world, and so. Um, it would be wrong if the Christian thinks, well, there's the Old Testament, and then Jesus came and fulfilled all that stuff, and it's now, now we're just sort of waiting for Jesus to come back. Yeah. Um, 
and, and and that dismisses so much of the Old Testament that gives us a vocabulary for what we're still waiting for in the kingdom of God. Yep. Um, prophetic literature, of course, um, the Psalms, even the the stories of Abraham and Moses, and and Moses is wandering in the wilderness for forty years. That's a a story of longing and and pilgrimage and trusting in the Lord um, in a waiting in a dry and barren land. land. Yeah, and so. Um, <laughs> I think that 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 absolutely is another value, and maybe my last point in this podcast would be that the Old Testament gives um, the God's eye view a lot more than hmm. the New Testament, and to me, that's very interesting as well. Where, yeah, that's uh, a good point. especially in Isaiah, uh, where you you get God's sense for what he is seeing in his creation, kind of like your Tower of Babel story, too, where um, the Lord comes down and takes a look, and then we have his account from the Word of God on what he saw there. And in the New Testament is told in more of a, almost more of a modern narrative way, where Mm -hmm. uh, you get the details of the story, and you even get a lot of Jesus' inner monologue, especially in John 17, as you read the words of Jesus' prayer. Um, But it's so often at at kind of a human level, you might say, an interactive level among people. And and the Old Testament gives this awesome um, God's eye view of, you know, Psalm 2, uh, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? Mm -hmm. The Lord laughs at that. It's a joke to him. And and so you get that sense for how God is viewing um, individuals or nations or situations and uh, really, there's no other literature like that in the world, hmm. and so um, yet another tally in favor of reading those yeah. great Old Testament passages. Yeah, and so we hope this has been a help to you. As I said earlier, if you have any feedback or you would like to quibble with what we've yeah. set up here, we would love to hear it. Um, this is by no means our final thoughts on <laughs> the matter, uh, but we 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 thought we would try to get it out there and and help you guys think through how the Old Testament. Uh, fits together. This, in that way, it's kind of a catechetical mm-hmm. sort of uh, episode today. So, yeah. let us know. And until next week, grace and peace be with you. All right, bye.